Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Our God is so gracious. Our Savior is so kind. Our salvation is so marvelous, and we are so loved. Praise the Lord this morning. Praise the Lord. In the past 100 days, in God's grace and in God's power, we have traveled through 21 chapters, 879 verses, 18,658 English words, every word, and all of it pointed to Jesus. Today on the last day, today as we close out this gospel, these messages have been viewed, are being viewed in all 50 states and 44 different countries. In our local church, we've seen eight people trust Christ and follow in baptism. And we have heard stories of lives being changed, many, many stories. I'm not sure we'll ever know the impact now, the full impact of these days. But all I can say to all of that is this. All glory be to Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord this morning. Praise the Lord. This morning, our last message is entitled, These Things. These Things. This morning, we're going to be in the last two verses, John chapter 21, verses 24 and 25. John chapter 21, verses 24 and 25. These things. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Beginning in verse 24, God's word says this. This is the disciple who is testifying to these things and wrote these things. And we know his testimony is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did which were not written in detail. I suppose that if they were, the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dirty Father, we come. We're thankful for your grace. We're thankful for your kindness. We're thankful for your word, living and active. We're thankful Lord Jesus, that you've met with us, that you've spoken to us, that we can hear your voice through your word. Lord, I'm thankful for a 100 days that you empowered, that you led. I pray that you've been glorified. I pray that your name is known. I pray even moving forward that your name continues to go out through this effort. Lord, I come and I ask as we meet this day, I pray on this day, the 100th day, that we would again hear our Savior's voice that again, it will be powerful, that we will be impacted as a people. Lord, I pray, I know your word is, is, is living and active. I pray, Lord, that this would be a truly supernatural hour. And I pray the fruit of that is, again, you'd be glorified. I pray that salvation would ring out in this hour this morning. Lord, we just come and again, we exalt you, we praise you, and we thank you. We lift this up to you, and I pray in Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Today, our world is a mess. We know that. It is a mess. It is hurting. Our world is suffering today. It is coming undone at the seams. And if you, if you don't believe that, look around. Things we never thought were possible. Our world is literally coming undone at the seams. Today, homes are under attack. Kids are under attack. Our kids are hurting today. Marriages 
are under attack. Today, right is called wrong and it is hated. The world hates what is right. Now, on top of that, wrong is called right and today it is celebrated. Today, evil is growing. Today, evil is promoted. Today, look around, our culture is marked by division and hatred by violence. Every aggression, everywhere we turn, there's aggression. We're at each other's throats, and it is terrible. It is terrible today. Well, here's what I want to tell you. Our hope stands. Our anchor holds. Our foundation is not shaken. And I want you to hear me one last time as we close this gospel out. We have good news today. His name is Jesus. We have good news today. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Listen, that is our message. That is our truth. That is what we've learned in these days. We have good news, and the good news is Jesus. This morning, we're going to look at the last two verses where John really brings it all together, and then his gospel is finished. All right, let's look at our verses beginning this morning in verse 24. <clears throat> this is the disciple who is testifying to these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. John says here that the disciple of verse 20, the disciple of verse 30, the beloved disciple, the disciple that the rumor was spread about that he would never die, that that disciple is the author of this gospel. Now, again, we've, know, we've known that. We know this is talking about him. It's referring to John, the apostle John, the brother of James, the son of Zebedee. He is our author. And he says, now see this, this is his testimony. In this, he is bearing witness. He is giving evidence. He wrote these things, that's what he says, under the inspiration of God. He wrote these things, and he says, we know that his testimony is true. All the way through his gospel, John has been telling us he has been proving to us, he has been testifying to us who Jesus is and what the gospel of Jesus is. Now, we've seen that over these hundred sermons. That's what he's proving. That's what he's testifying to. This is who Jesus is, and this is what his gospel is. His message has been, is the truth of Jesus. The truth of Jesus. And now he calls it these things. Very simply, John says you must know the truth of Jesus. That's the point to this. Eternity hangs on it. You must know the truth of Jesus. Then he tells us these things. He tells us who Jesus is. So the question is, what are these things? Who is Jesus? <clears throat> In chapter one, he is the eternal word, the word that becomes flesh 
and dwells among us, that we may behold his glory full of grace and truth. Praise the Lord for chapter one. In chapter two, he is the miracle worker who saves the wedding feast, turning water into wine, the one who always saves the best for last. In chapter three, now let me just tell you, I love chapter three. In chapter three, he's the only begotten son of God given in great love to be lifted up that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Friends, have you looked to Jesus today? He is the giver of life. Have you looked to Jesus? In chapter four, he is the Lord, not of prejudice, but he is the Lord of love who makes his way by a well to tell our sister that he has water that springs up to eternal life. In chapter four, he is a savior that is so gracious and so kind, he is worthy of abandoning the pots of life to follow him. Oh, what love we see. That is our savior. In chapter five, he is the Lord of the Sabbath, saying, pick up your pallet and walk doing the work of God in the will of God, possessing the power of God, worthy of the honor of God, all because he is God. In chapter five, again, Jesus is God. You wanna know who he is? In chapter five, he is God. In chapter six, he is the bread of life come down out of heaven, saying, your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and died. But if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Friend, there is life in Jesus. Do you know him today? He is the bread of life. In chapter seven, he is the hated teacher of Galilee, mocked even by his own brothers, the one who divided the people, the one of whom they're saying, surely the Christ is not gonna come from Galilee, is he? In chapter eight, oh, let me tell you, I love chapter eight. In chapter eight, he is the light of the world, the one that gives the light of life. He is also the truth that will make you free, but not just free, free indeed. That is our Jesus. Do you know the truth? Have you seen the light? In chapter nine, he is the savior who opens the eyes of the blind. He's the one whose newly seeing subject says what we can also say today, this one thing I know, I don't know about that, but this one thing I do know, I once was blind, but now I see. That is our Savior. In chapter 10, oh, I love chapter 10. In chapter 10, I want you to understand, I want you to see Jesus. In chapter 10, he's not the thief, He's not the robber. He's not the false farmer who profits from the sheep. No, friends, in chapter 10, he is the good shepherd, the one who lays down his life for the sheep. Because he lays it down, he's able to take it up again. That is our hope. That is our gospel. Oh, praise the Lord for these things. In chapter 11, now chapter 11 is just too much. In chapter 11, he is the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in him will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in him shall 
never die. That is the truth of Jesus. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Jesus is the defeater of death. We have nothing to fear in death. Praise the Lord. That is our Savior. In chapter 12, he is the recently anointed king of Israel. Anointed not in oil, but in expensive perfume and tears. Riding down into Jerusalem on a little donkey, riding in humility to the cries of Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He is a humble king. Can you see him today? Can you see Jesus, our humble king? In chapter 13, he is the servant who girds himself and washes the disciples' feet, even the feet of the one who has turned his heel against him. In Jesus, we see grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. In chapter 14, you know my heart rejoices in chapter 14. My heart rejoices in chapter 14. In chapter 14, he is for sinners like me the way and the truth and the life. The only one, the only way I can have access to the Father. In chapter 14, he is preparing for us a room in the Father's mansion by the way of the cross. Friends, I want you to understand, folks, it is in him that we are able to sing today. The way of the cross leads home, leads home. The way of the cross leads home. It's sweet to know as I onward go, the way of the cross leads home. Praise the Lord for chapter 14. He prepares our room by the way of the cross. In chapter 15, he is the vine inviting us, in fact, calling us to abide in him, that abiding in him in his power that we would bear much fruit, the Bible says, to the glory of God and so proving to be his disciples. And I want you to see how crazy that we can honor God, how crazy that we can glorify God by abiding in the vine. In chapter 16, he is our provision in prayer, promising that whatever we ask in his name, he will provide. Now, more than that, in chapter 16, he is our peace, giving us courage. He says, in a world that he is overcome. Peace, not as the world gives, does he give. He has overcome this world. In chapter 17, in chapter 17, he is our intercessor, eternal life himself, yearning for us to truly know him and his father. In chapter 17, he is the giver of truth, his word that sanctifies us, that sets us apart on earth, in our earthly lives. In chapter 18, oh, chapter 18. In chapter 18, he is the lamb of God the lamb that is delivered in betrayal. He is the lamb that is questioned by pious priests. He is the lamb struck in Pilate's court, willing to save even his pagan governor. Praise Jesus for the willing lamb who taketh away the sins of the world. He is our lamb in chapter 18. In chapter 19, he is the king of the Jews. 
He is crowned in thorns that are pressed down into his brow. He is robed in his own royal blood as it runs down his shoulders. He is the king who gives himself for those whose sins would shout out, crucify him, crucify him, even our sins as well. In chapter 19, he is the king who humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. A king who even bowing his head in death is able to say to Telestai, it is finished paid in full, praise the Lord. Listen, there's not one thing left to do. There's not one thing left to accomplish. It is finished in the cross of Calvary. It is finished in Jesus. In chapter 20, praise the Lord for chapter 20. In chapter 20, listen, he is the risen Lord. He is the now temporary tenant of a now empty tomb standing alive, who declares, peace be with you. See my hand, touch my side if you must, but be believing, not unbelieving, but be believing. Understand in chapter 20, Jesus is alive. We have hope today because Jesus is alive. We have the forgiveness of our sin because Jesus is alive. He is alive in chapter 20. And in chapter 21, In chapter 21, he is our gracious Savior, the Savior whose grace is greater than all our sin. And if we fail three times, he restores three times. And if we were to fail 200 times, his grace is infinite, his grace is limitless, his grace is more even than the accumulation of all of our sin. In chapter 21, he is the Savior that doesn't come to shame us, He doesn't come back from the cross to crush us. He is the Savior that invites us into fellowship with him. Come and have breakfast. Oh, what a Savior. And praise the Lord this morning for these things. Praise the Lord this morning for our Savior, Jesus. Do you know him today? Do you know him today? The Bible says these things Chapter 20 are written so that you may believe and in believing have life. These things are God's grace to you. These things are that you might be believing. Do you know him today? Do you know him today? The last verse of John's gospel, verse 25. And there are also many other things which Jesus did which if they were written in detail, I suppose that even the world itself would not contain the books that would be written. John says here in the 25th verse, 21 chapters, 879 verses, 18,658 words, and he says we have these things in those, but John says that is not enough. John wonders here, how do we explain Jesus? How do you tell of the glory of Jesus? Infinite in all things, immeasurable in all things. Grace upon grace after grace. The Bible says the fullness of grace and truth. How would you ever explain Jesus? Friends, my heart wants you to see him. My heart wants you to know him. 
My heart, his heart, wants you to follow him. My heart this morning wants him to know how loved he is by us. Listen this morning. Lean in this morning. Let your mind picture it this morning. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Friends, I present to you this morning the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is our Savior. He is our gospel. I present to you the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come and we praise you. We come in humility. We see ourselves just like Peter saw himself. We see ourselves, Lord, we, we know we're not good. We know we... We'll turn against you. We'll forget about you. We'll do our own thing. And yet we know that you're gracious to sinners, all of them. That you're kind to us as sinners, that you so love that while we were yet sinners, that you came to the cross and you died for us, humbling yourself, taking our sin, taking our payment, our punishment, settling it at Calvary. Lord, we know that you're the living king, the reigning living king, King, the risen lamb. We know that today our hope is in you. We know that you want us to know that. You want us to see that. That you love us so much that you go to great lengths that each person would know how loved they are by you. Lord, we praise you for that. I thank you for that. Lord, I, I thank you for this study. I thank you for your words. As John said, they've each one proven true. Most of all, I'm thankful for the Savior of your word, Jesus. Lord, I pray as we conclude this service, as we conclude this study, I pray, Lord, if there's one that does not know you, if there's one that's still struggling under the weight of their sin, the condemnation of the guilt of their sin, Lord, I pray that in the hearing of the gospel of Jesus, the gospel of grace, the gospel of love, I pray, Lord, that they would turn to you and they would receive you in faith. Lord, I pray that any hindrance will be removed. I pray that you would work. I pray that your, your word would go out and you say it will not return empty. I pray it bears much fruit to the glory of my Savior, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name I pray. Amen. We're going to close our service this morning with a time of response. And I want to tell you, not just this hour, but all these hundred hours, they've been for one reason, and is that you be presented with the truth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me tell you the gospel this morning. The good news of the gospel is this, we're all sinners. Each of us, we're sinners. And we've learned to get along and say, you know what, my sin's not as bad as yours, and I, I can excuse part of it, and I can make light of most of it. But the truth is, each of us, all of us, we have sinned. The Bible says, in our sin, we've earned a punishment, death, separation from God now, and if we die in that state for all eternity. The good news is God so loved you. That's what he said. 
that he sends his only begotten son, Jesus. Fully God and fully man, he comes, he takes on flesh. He lives a life of no sin. Because he doesn't sin, he's able to offer himself as your payment, as my payment. He goes to the cross of Calvary. And there they crucify him. There he's beaten, he's mocked, he's shamed for your sin and for my sin. Bible says he tells us he willingly does that because of his great love. He goes to the cross and he pays for it there. It is paid for, it is settled fully and finally in the cross of Calvary. He's able to say as he bows his head, paid in full, it is finished. That's what he does. They put him in a grave, the payment's, the payment's paid in his blood. Three days later, chapter 20, he walks out of the grave. The tomb is empty. He stands as the risen king, the hope for sinners. Bible says that is our hope. That is our gospel. That is our good news. The Bible says, Jesus says, if we'll trust in that, not of any work that we might do, not in church attendance, not in doing good things, you can't do enough of them. But if we'll trust Jesus, he'll save you today. He'll forgive you today. He'll restore you today. And that is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're here today or listening in some other means and you never trusted Christ, what a Savior we have. What extent he's gone to to save us and then to show us his grace and his love. Receive him today. Trust him today. Turn to him today. He will save you today. He'll save you today. If you've made that decision but never fought in believer's baptism, I want to give you an opportunity as we saw during these 100 days with these eight folks, a chance to say, I want that testimony to stand. The Bible says it's always by immersion, always after we're saved, not part of our salvation, not before our salvation, testifying to what we believe of Christ. And maybe you're here and you'd say, you know what, recently or some other time I've trusted Christ, but I've never fought in believer's baptism. What an opportunity to come and say, you know what, I want that testimony to stand. Maybe you're here and you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it. You believe God has led you here. You come as well. Together we'll serve his name, upholding his word till he comes again. Maybe today on this 100th day, we've been talking about the last three days, maybe today is your start. Maybe it's the start of your recommitment. Maybe it's the start of saying, you know what, I, I'm going to begin where I'm at today, and I'm going to abide in him, and I'm going to abide in his will, and I'm going to abide in his word. I'm going to tell a lost world the good news. Maybe today is not the end. Prayerfully, maybe it's your start. Maybe you want to come pray with me. Maybe you want to pray at an altar. I'm going to ask that no one would stir about, no one would head for an exit. You pray for those who are making decisions. As we stand to sing today, if God has spoken to you, you step out. You come on. I'll meet you here. You come on. I'll meet you here.